Hello there, I'm Kios, the Ronin Beatmaker, and on this episode of The Monday Mindset, we're going to be discussing the way of Hinduism and Islam. Depend not on another, but learn instead on thyself. True happiness is born of self-reliance. The Laws of Manu Hinduism is actually a multitude of religions, the oldest in the world. The sacred scriptures which make up the basis of modern Hinduistic ethics are to be found in several books, but mainly in the Mahabharata and the Ramayana. The former contains the profound and beautiful Bhagavad Gita, the songs of God. Hinduism is one of the most human of religions. What it lacks in abstraction, inhibition, and refinement, it makes up in humanism. Even their gods often become humans and walk freely on earth among other men and women, living actively and with passion. The essence of Hindu thought lies in the belief that sensory life is transitory, transitory, <laughs> and thus meaningless. Individuals must live life in the universal sense. In finding salvation, they can select either a contemplative life of action and meditation and knowledge, or a life of selfless action, assuming day-to-day material duties and obligations. Dr. Leo. I love that line that individuals must live life in the universal sense. What do I always say? It's bigger than you. It's clear to me that this train of thought originates within Hindu teachings. This excites me because I've always gotten, as I've gotten older and started on my journey, I've realized how small the world really is, how each action, moment, plant, passing glance, or thought can create webs and ripples that affect one to a million. And I see that in this statement. Depending on the life we live, we reflect within the universal sense. As I always say, we are products of our environment. We can either choose to learn from the environment or become the environment. You can choose a life of action and meditation and knowledge or a life of selfless action, selfless action and day-to-day duties and obligations. The question you have to ask yourself is which life serves the universal sense? Keep in mind that you are part of the universal sense. The very ingredients of our being comes from the universe itself. Krishna, one of the Hindu gods, gives a loving and inquisitive Arjuna advice in the Yoga of Devotion from the Bhagavad Gita. He suggests the way that Arjuna should live his life in humanness. He says, A man should not hate any living creature. Let him be friendly and compassionate to all. He must free himself from delusion of I and mine. He must accept pleasure and pain with equal tranquility. He must be forgiving, even contented, self-controlled. He neither molests his fellow man nor allows himself to become disturbed by the world. He is no longer swayed by joy in passion, anxiety and fear, He does not desire or rejoice in what is pleasant. He does not dread what is unpleasant 
or grieve over it. He remains unmoved by good or evil fortune. His attitude is the same toward friend or foe. He is indifferent to honor and insult, heat and cold, pleasure and pain. He is free from attachment. He values praise and blame equally. He can control his speech. He is content with whatever he gets. His home is everywhere and nowhere. Now I have taught you that wisdom which is secret of secrets. Ponder it carefully and act as you think best. These are the last words that I shall say to you, the deepest of truths. There is so much wisdom and beauty to digest in his advice that Krishna gives. As I was reading it, I got a bit of a vibe of the Ten Commandments sprinkled in there, which is an interesting note. But it is also so striking to me about the advice Krishna gives that it resonates with how I am constantly stressing life as a lesson learned, and at the same time stressing the knowledge and strength that comes with being a self-actualized person. For an individual who lives life as a lesson learned, understands the value of compassion and a friendly demeanor. They, they have matured out of the delusion of I and my. Whether pain or pleasure, they approach emotionally balanced. They are self-aware and willing to accept forgiveness. In Krishna's advice, I see many of the tenets I am constantly applying to my life, and I am actively searching for those who are of the same mind. It's clear to me that the advice Krishna gives is one that leads by example, but he also leaves a choice up to you as an individual to do what you will with said advice, and that is something I'm very big on in regards to life, that we as individuals are capable of choice, but how often do we try to place accountability on others for actions and experiences as a result of our own choices. Krishna makes it clear that our choices and actions must reflect the universal sense within our full personhood. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fully functioning persons who live in Hindu wisdom possess a vast, flexible, and assimilating ethic at the center of which is truth, goodness, and righteousness. Dr. Leo. The wisdom that can be found in, Hindu, Hindu, in Hinduism can be interpreted in countless ways. Truth, goodness, and righteousness never change or falter within the interpretation. These epic stories are great templates for each individual's hero's journey. The art of living, which seems like the core foundation in Hindu practice. The scriptures give you a choice on how to live your life. There is no um, exponential requirement, only the choice. The sun is of all righteousness, is causing pleasure or in giving pain, in doing good or injury to others. A man obtains a proper rule of action by looking at his neighbor as himself. The Maharabhata. There is no fault in those who believe 
and the deeds of the righteousness. God loves good doers. The Quran. Mohammedism is one of the world's youngest religious philosophies and perhaps the most widespread. It was founded in Mecca by Muhammad in 570 to 633 AD, an Arab who preached that his teachings were based upon divine revelation. These teachings were later complied into the Quran, the holy book of Islam. It is generally agreed that Muhammad was a true moral reformer. He insisted that each person was responsible for the manner in which he or she lived for life. Dr. Leo. On the day of judgment, everyone shall be responsible for himself alone. Mohammed. This resonates well with the art of living in regards to the universal sense in Hinduism, because depending on the life you choose to live will reflect the verdict that will be decided upon judgment day in the Islamic faith. I'm curious if the Hindu faith has any form of judgment day. The fear of Judgment Day is an interesting perspective in regards to living a just and righteous life. How many of us out there live our lives in fear of Judgment Day or where we will end up in the afterlife? How many of us refuse the true self out of fear of Judgment Day or the afterlife? I'm starting to get the sense that this is a misinformed perspective. He promoted universal brotherhood among the Arabs in which justice and charity were to be paramount. Among the highest of virtues is almsgiving. Equally important and related to this is hospitality, kindness, respect, and a deep feeling feeling of community. No matter how, sca no matter how scattered or far removed the Muslim people are, there is only one Islamic community. Dr. Leo. This is something that we as Americans are lacking. We don't see ourselves as a community. Within the Islamic community, there are various ranges of skin tones and cultural upbringing. Yet this does not prevent them from supporting one another within their community. This is an ideology that American culture would greatly value from. If we viewed ourselves as a community, regardless of our religious views or skin color, then we would all feel equally important, and hospitality, kindness, and respect would be the lay of the land. I'll never forget when I was at the comic book store I used to go to back in the day. I met a white man there who was married to an Islamic woman from Iran. And he was explaining to me why he chose to convert to Islam and raise their children in the, in, in the Islamic religion. He said after studying in regards to Islam, he realized the values and the teachings that Muhammad preached were the type of ideological perspective he wanted his children to be raised with. And I bring this story up because it adds weight to how Islam is one of the largest religions, if not the largest religion in the world, and that many people convert to Islam for similar reasons. And being a country that has a huge Islamic community, we should take that into consideration and learn how we can apply that similar mindset into the American culture and way of life. This community accepts only one absolute God. 
and accepts with compassion for humanness of persons who are attempting to be one with him and the nature of the world in which they must make their way. In the Islamic tradition, it is a privilege for persons to particip participate in the human state, for this allows them the possibility of fulfilling God's plan. Dr. Leo, I agree that it is a privilege and we should be grateful to be human, to truly experience this world and all of its mystery and wonder, regardless of our religious affiliation. Each and every one of us are fortunate to be alive and experience this world, experience what this world has to offer and what we can give in return. Whatever your purpose in life is on this planet, search for it, study it, master your purpose. By fulfilling your purpose, you are becoming a fully actualized person. That in itself is the reason for being whether by God's plan or the universe. That should show us how fortunate and crystal clear it is that we cannot and should not take humanness for granted. The Quran contains mainly three types of messages for living as a person. A doctoral message which deals with the human being's place in the structure of reality, a metaphysical message about the nature of the absolute, and a doctrinal message about human life, existing and its meaning. I really like that. Um, because, you know, the three messages that it, the Quran contains, it can also look at a, as a structure of how to maintain our life. You know, you look at, you know, the, the the structure of the reality, you know, and I brought up this in, I think, previous episode. Um, I'm trying to remember which episode. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But I talked about how um, we need to, in terms of our self-actualization, we need to be present in the essential reality. And, you know, I feel that the Quran has a lot of probably really deep, you know, philosophical messages and how to live your life within the essential reality and not fall victim to living the false self um, and living in that false reality that you, you know, that you or we, or as a tribe, you know, generate and create so that we feel comfortable in our, in our false, you know, identity and that false tribalism identity. And, you know, even though the Quran is in an Islamic community, you know, is community, they're very community driven. You know, there is also a sense of, you know, from what, I'm, what I've been reading and, and learning a little bit, there is a sense of making sure that you are an individual as well, and that you're in the reality, in the essential reality. Because, how often do we become disillusioned or we disregard the essential reality? And most often than that, that could lead to a warped and even dangerous perception and perspective in regards to the religion and to your way of life. And, you know, I think that's something that we should all take in consideration, you know, that 
the reality that we live in, it's the only reality. And if we start living our lives in these false realities and disregarding the essential reality, it will do more harm than good. And it doesn't matter what religious affiliation you're with. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the, you know, you can look at it from the sense of um, the Inquisitions, you know, or you can look at it a sense from, you know, some of the, you know, the the terrorism that we have experienced throughout the world in our country. Um, and in regards to people who are believing a false narrative, a false truth of the religion. I mean, we live in a country where there are plenty of people who are Islamic and and none of them have any desire to hurt people. I mean, I remember when there was a um, a shooting at a mosque, the, um, I'm, I'm butchering the word right now, the synagogue, the synagogue that was actually located near the mosque actually opened their doors and took in people who were scared and who were hiding and, and who needed support after the attack at the mosque. And, you know, I bring that up because those are two different religions who, you know, history has not, they've never been very kind to one another throughout history. Um, and and I think what's interesting and beautiful about that is that even in their sense, um, even at the synagogue, they looked at the Islams as brothers and sisters. They didn't look at them as um, Islams. They looked at them as human people. They looked at them as humans and the essential reality. And, you know, the, the, the roles have been reversed, you know, where situations have been um, vice versa, where, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, a mosque has taken in people who have been affected by a crime or violence. And it's all around the world. We've seen this. You can't escape that. And I think that's something that's beautiful about, you know, the teachings in the Quran and the community mindset that it gives that regardless of anyone's, regardless of their situation, they are welcomed into the community. And, you know, that's something that we as Americans, we don't understand. And in Western culture, we're, you know, it may have been something that was important at one time, but it's lacking now. And then even with, you know, the metaphysical message about the nature and the absolute, you know, we have, we don't take in, in value, we don't take the value of nature and how we are literally a part of nature. We think that because we have a conscience and because we can make decisions, because we can build things, that, you know, we are above nature. But that's not the case. You know, you look at, you know, I've watched, you know, many different documentaries about, you know, the Bedouins in the desert and and people who 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 practice their religion just as much as they practice survival. And what I mean by that is that they 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 go hand in hand. Um, you have to think about that. You know, you think about certain cultures where the environment that they live in is also an extension of their religious and, and philosophical beliefs. And we don't think about that. You know, we don't think about how, you know, the environment will react to how we are feeling. You know, if you're an individual who has plants in your house, you know, if you're mad or upset, your plants will start wiltering. You know, I have one plant, Lucille, who's in my living room. 
She's my baby. And, um, you know, there are days when, like, I was angry or upset. And even, a, you know, a couple days, um, even recently. Um, and I noticed that she was kind of slouching and, and kind of almost reacting to the way I was feeling. Um, so that kind of made me realize, well, one, I need to give her some water, water, and two, I need to perk myself up. Um, so I think we need to, we need to be, you know, in Western society, we don't acknowledge the metaphysical. Um, and we should, <laughs> but we don't acknowledge it because it's taboo or it's weird or I don't know. It, it's just, it's unfortunate. And I, and I see that, you know, by learning and studying more of, you know, the Islamic faith, you know, I can probably get a more deeper appreciation for the metaphysical, no different than in Taoism or Confucianism or in Buddhism or even in Hinduism. Um, so I, I enjoy that. Um, well, probably not in Confucianism, but I enjoy the idea of, you know, taking in and appreciating the meta the, meso- the metaphysical world and nature and the absolute of nature we don't take in consideration that and you know i'm hoping that for myself that as i learn more you know this has been a light introduction about ev- about these different religions and there's going to be a couple more following but for me it's exciting because i'm also seeing a lot of the tenets and the train of thought and the mindset that i've been kind of learning and taking in and seeing it in some of the, you know, in the teachings that I've been, you know, briefly learning about. And it's exciting. And, you know, even with the, in regards to the Quran and the three messages and the last one about human life and existence and meaning, that's something that I've been working so hard towards right now with my journey is, you know, finding my, my, personhood, finding and succeeding in my existence, and learning my meaning. And I think we all can grasp something, grasp from that, learn from that. You know, I know in in Western culture, you know, from entertainment to, you know, the way people talk, you know, Islam has gotten this bad rap. And, you know, I can say that I was ignorant to Islam myself, and even here, as I've, you know, been reading from, you know, Dr. Leo is in his, in his book, I've, I'm realizing, man, I, there is so much I could learn and, and so much I could value from really taking time to study Islam. And it's not even that I'm interested in, you know, converting to Islam. It's more of like, there's so many deep messages and, and philosophical ideas that I would love to just kind of digest and think about and meditate and and share with you guys so that might be something that will happen in the future but who knows but i know i've kind of gone off a little bit um but i i'm kind of glad i did because i i'm excited about what these last couple podcast episodes have been about and for me it's you know i know that there have been you know religions and philosophies that I'm ignorant about, that I don't know much about. And I'm willing to admit that and acknowledge that. But I'm also excited because, you know, learning for all of these different, you know, philosophies and religions, I'm learning a lot about myself. And I think that's one thing that's kind of beautiful about the Quran is it's, it's really a message about how to be yourself, 
you know, within, you know, divine teachings and within a divine following and presence. And I, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's something that we all can can really take a lot away from and feel better about ourselves. You know, because as Dr. Leo says, though Muslims as humans love this world and are deeply attached to it, they know that through a proper life in the Quran, they can find the peace, harmony, and unity essential to discard their worldly attachment and become one with God. And like I was saying earlier, you know, this coincides with the philosophies, you know, that I discussed last week and that I brought up, you know, a couple minutes ago. You know, how attachment can lead to suffering. And by discarding attachments via the ego through Confucius, you know, you are giving way to the essential reality. In Hinduism and in fulfilling God's plan with the Quran. As much as Islam is a religion, the philosophical tones, in my opinion, allow for anyone, regardless of their religious beliefs, to study the Quran. I say this because I get the feeling, even though I may be studying to be a Buddhist, I would take great joy in learning more of the philosophical aspects and trains of thought that derive within Islam. But also, I see so much knowledge that the Quran provides in regards to the art of living. It seems the core message within the Quran is self-actualization through philosophical and divine teachings. <laughs> and it's so funny. I literally just said all of that. But it mean, I mean it. And I like it. I dig it. The Quran, it's got good vibes. And we could all learn from it. To understand the full meaning of the fully functioning person in Islam, it is often recommended that one study the life of the Prophet Muhammad, for he represents not only their spiritual being, but a leader of men. From the Muslim's point of view, then, Muhammad is a symbol of human perfection and the ideal for human society. Dr. Leo. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Monday Mindset. To learn more about myself and how you can support The Monday Mindset, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. That's Ronin Art and Music. If you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and review. Slap that notification bell. On iTunes, please make sure to subscribe rate the podcast, and leave a review, as this will help me and the podcast grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love.